Hello and welcome to the Geek Standing Boyle Retrospective Podcast, where our UK team will be looking through the entire cinematic work of director Danny Boyle in chronological order, from his 1995 debut Shallow Grave to this year's Trainspotting 2. We'll have a new podcast up every Wednesday and every Saturday leading up to the US release of T2 on March the 17th. Warning, this podcast contains strong language and spoilers throughout, and Geeks and Tessellate do not represent any of the companies or creative talents involved with any of these films. This podcast is 100% unofficial and independent. Geeks! Geeks! Hello and welcome to the 6th? 6th? 7th? No. No, the 6th. Sixth. Good start to the podcast. Right. <laughs> Hello <laughs> and welcome to the sixth episode yes, six. in our Danny Boyle <laughs> retrospective <laughs> podcast. I'm your host, Al White, and joining me for our all 12 of his movies, Haruka Bay and Alison Holland. Hey guys. Hi. Hello. How's it going? We're in 2004 <laughs> now. Uh, Danny Boyle's uh, sixth movie, um, well, that he directed going straight to the cinema anyway. And I kind of want to bring up a little bit about that in a minute. Um, Millions is the movie. It was written by Frank Cottrell Boyce, who went on to write Railway Man. He Ooh. wrote 24 Hour Party People, um, some little bit of Doctor Who. Um, anything else in there? Code 46. That was a good film. I quite like that one. Hillary and Jackie. Welcome Sarajevo. Very good film. Um, so he's written some good films, this writer. Starring Alex Ethel, um, Lewis McGibbon, James Nesbitt, Daisy Donovan, Christopher Fulford. And other people. <laughs> <laughs> Confirmed. Other people. Yes. Um, okay, so this came out in 2004. At this point, do you want to know what kind of movies were coming out in 2004? Can you remember? Ooh, 2004. Mm. The Incredibles came out. Oh. We were right in the middle of the Kill Bill films. All right. Eternal okay. Sunshine of the Spotless Mind came out. Nice. Shaun of the Dead. Oh. Garden State. The Life Aquatic. Mean Girls. Napoleon Dynamite and The Notebook. Very nice. Good year. Um, And Danny Boyle had just done, if you're joining us for some weird reason, you decided, you know what? I want to hear what people say about millions. (laughs) And you haven't been listening to our our retrospective. (laughs) Uh, He had just come off the back of the beach and then 28 days later. And 28 days later was, which year was that? Did we say 2002? Mm -hmm. Was this two years later, wasn't it? Yep. So part of the reason I wanted to say his cinematic films is because he had done two films we talked about just before the beach. Um, which went straight to UK television and never had cinematic release. Was it made for t- television? Yeah, there yeah. were a couple of films that were made for TV. Um, and I just want to bring that up, not in necessarily a derogative way, but this film, as soon as it started for me, so this was a movie that personally I missed. I've never seen it before. Um, I had heard about it. I was really into Danny Boyle at this point. Um, well, right from Shallow Grave, I was really into Danny Boyle, but after 20 days later, he was like everywhere. Mm. And I did hear Millions was coming out. I read about it in like Empire Magazine or whatever it was at the time. Uh, but never went to see it. it. It didn't really appeal to me. And it was one of those movies I kept thinking, it's Danny Boyle. I have to see it at some point. I'll get around to it at some point. And then just never did. Mm. Um, had you seen years it? Later. No, it's my first time. First time? Yeah, I wasn't even aware that this film existed, to be honest. So, yeah. yeah. Ali? I have not seen it, had not seen it, and had never heard of it. Okay. So that was part of like, as soon as it started, this film, to me, feels like a movie he would have directed for UK TV, it, which is why I want to bring up this other one. Yeah, ones. it definitely felt like a TV movie. Yeah. 
Um, and then somehow, either because his name was big enough or, it, you know, it does have some good actors in here as well, mm. some classic English actors, potentially, or maybe just, you know, we'll find out how we feel about it later <laughs> on as we get through, maybe because it was so good, it got a cinematic release, but it didn't do that great. Um, but it did all right, to be honest. Let's have a look at the box office here. Now, there's no confirmed budget for this one. But I was reading an interview with him where he was saying the beauty of doing a film like this is that no one's going to go home without money in their pocket. He was like, it's not the kind of movie where you have to spend that much. And considering the actors involved and him being in a good point in his career, he's like, you're going to make money back, basically, and it'll be fine. So he said, you don't have to worry about it, which was a nice film for him to do. Mm. Um, but it ended up making eleven, nearly $12 million worldwide. Well, um, not bad. Which for a movie like this is a good, is a good haul before you get to all the licensings and DVDs and stuff like that. Um, most of that was actually domestic, which is interesting. Well, domestic and foreign were almost equal, which is unusual. Mm. Normally, it'll be very much weighed in one, one way or the other. Right, so the basic plot summary. We're reading this one from Ruben Kogo on IMDb. Oh, thanks, Ruben Kogo. That classic <laughs> synopsis writer. <laughs> Uh, the UK is about to switch its currency from pounds to euros, giving a gang a chance to rob the poorly secured train loaded with money on its way to incineration. But during the robbery, one of the big bags falls literally from the sky on Damien's playhouse, a seven-year-old given to talking to saints. The boy then starts seeing what the world and the people around him are made of. Ethics, human... Well, it says being human. I should just read what he says. Ethics, being human, <laughs> and the soul all come to the forefront in this film. Wow. That's apparently a basic. I mean, it kind of is. Yeah. Uh, yeah Basically, as a kid, he finds a bag of money. He shows it to his brother. His brother is more of a philanthropist, basically, <laughs> and is like has lots of schemes on how to to make more money from that money. Whereas he is, um, they're both Catholic kids, and he just wants to give it to people who need it, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then there are some bank robbers who want it back, and. Uh, yeah, we'll go through it bit by bit properly. But that really is what it's about. Mm. Is yep. You've got a lot of money. What do you do with it? Yeah. How old are the kids? Um, how, how old are they supposed to be? Okay, let me have a quick look. Because yeah. they don't ever say no, in the no. film. Here it says nine-year-old Damien. And the brother's the probably about 11. Yeah. I'd imagine yeah. so, yeah. That seems about right. Um, and now, confusingly, the film is called Millions, but they only have like a quarter of a million. 229,320. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's... Does that make sense in any... Is that just a metaphor or... It might just be because when they were looking through the bag, they were excitedly saying well, hundreds, thousands, yeah. hundreds of thousands, millions. Millions even. Yeah. I think was the exact quote. But <laughs> I think, I guess, because like there were few bags that were thrown out of the train. That's their shares like one, one of the bits. Fifth or so overall, maybe? there are millions. They just don't have that money. Yeah, it's intro. I mean, obviously, it's the catchier title. Then two hundred fifty thousand dollars. They could have made the. Maybe we would have seen that one. Yeah. Hmm. Just to be clear to you, Ali, this didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't have the euro changeover <laughs> in England. We didn't have to incinerate our money, which I don't really understand. <laughs> Yeah. Why that's meant to be happening. Hmm. Um, and it is a strange setup. Like, it really is. I mean, mm. I, this was 2004. So, this was at that point where we were. When was the point? It was around then, wasn't it? When we were considering getting into the Euro. Possibly, yeah. Um, so, this is like, yeah. like a weird fictional take on that Euro. And yes, certain countries were having to transition to the Euro at this point, but mm. we didn't, for better or for worse. 
I'm not going to get into politics, <laughs> <laughs> particularly not now that we have other European things to be wondering about. Smart. Um, but yeah, interesting title for it. Interesting setup. Strange fucking film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like really strange film. I don't yep. really know how to make of it. I started writing down stuff about it and then I just, I really just ended up with a list of just weird, like things to do with <laughs> shots or just strange, mm-hmm. nothing really to do with the narrative because I can't really tell really what it's trying to say. Yeah, it's, um, with, like, it's a bizarre little film. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, all right. Let's work away <laughs> for it, chunk by chunk, then, shall we? Um, so it starts off, I'm going to use the Wikipedia synopsis for this. Uh, Now, as you pointed out, Ali, as soon as it starts, you have the old title in the bottom right-hand corner, Mm -hmm. which is becoming a Danny Boyle trait. Um, He doesn't like a big... He he does also like for his titles again at the end of the film as well. Yeah. Mm. Just to hammer it home. (laughs) (laughs) Fall asleep, this is what you miss. In case you forgot. do I have any notes? Anyone got any notes right at the beginning before I get into the Wikipedia? The first thing I wrote was Danny Elfman. And yeah. Terry Gilliam. With the score? Well, I think the Terry Gilliam bit was the shots, probably, mm-hmm. and the colours, maybe. It was a very colourful film. Mm, oh, very colourful. I um, have written down here, bright colours of greens, yellows, blues, purples, ugly. Yeah. Ugly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very uh, primal colours. Yeah. And, yeah, it, I mean, it was... From the get-go, it's very, very colourful. And from the get-go, you know it's set somewhere up north. Like, probably Manchester kind of area. Yeah, it says here... Suburbs of Widnes. W-I-D-N-E-S. Which is industrial town, Halton, Cheshire, northwest England. Which is quite unusual because... A lot of British films set up north tend to be quite grey and like gritty, Mm -hmm. Hmm. whereas this one was like very poppy and colourful and yeah. yeah, So that was my first impression of it before like anything kicked off. It was quite cartoony. Yeah. Um, And you do start off immediately with a VO from Mm -hmm. the kid and with quite a lot of energy as well. Like it does, Mm. it does start like an Annie Boyle film. Yeah. It just doesn't for me start like how I'd expect a Danny Boyle film to be at this point in his career. It feels like maybe the film he'd made before Shallow Grave or something like that, you know. It's like, but, uh, but no. So see, oh, oh yeah, one thing I did learn about this when I was reading about it. So I was reading about why he took this job, and he was talking about um, some of the bits he has here in his interview is actually really interesting, and we might come back to it um, in a different podcast when we wrap him up. Um, but he was saying how, where is it? Uh, yeah, like it wasn't. Uh, yeah, this he was basically on a long list of directors to make this film, and he was kind of at the bottom, he felt, because they were worried he was going to try and make it too violent or too sexy or too controversial. And he actually really loved the script when he read it, but it was set in the 60s originally. Interesting. Um, so his team basically reshaped the whole thing to be contemporary, hmm. and apparently the writer, I don't know if he complained, but he noted to him, oh, there's only one thing left from my original script, which is the the train robbery that's the only thing left and everything else had changed pretty oh. much to make it hmm. contemporary um but yeah like danny Paul, it just seemed to be i mean i guess after the beach and 28 days later he wanted to do something a little bit more easy for him i think something <laughs> where he didn't have to give his heart and soul to it and could kind of just make something that like you said there was less pressure and you could just tell a nice story what i do find interesting is he makes a big point in this interview to say um 
because they asked him did he want to make a film for kids or one else you know more for younger audiences and he said well this isn't a film for younger audiences because young people always want to watch stuff the adults would watch so he said oh. like his old films like train spotting and 28 days later that's what young kids want to watch because they want to push the boundaries yeah. and pretend they're an adult but then he never really in the interview answers so well then who is this for mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's something i'm definitely going to come back to mm. <laughs> at the end of the movie yeah but it is interesting to i think you have to know like where he's at in his own head when he made this movie so millions tells the story of nine-year-old damien a catholic schoolboy whose family moves to the suburbs of after the death of his mother soon after the move damien's hermitage um in a cardboard box by the train tracks is disturbed by a bag of money flung from a passing train which is really that's the first like danny boyle scene of the movie i think really yeah mm-hmm. i wrote that down too because he's like in his little cardboard box and he I, I didn't really understand it to begin with but he he's made this cardboard little kingdom next to the train tracks just yeah. so it shakes yeah yeah for the thrill because he had yeah. been telling that story in the beginning of it about angels who come down and pick up someone's home and take it to italy when they're uh, moving right okay. so i figured that was his house that was like had the movement and oh uh, uh, okay and that's why in the end you have like the rocket version of it which mm-hmm. we'll get to, obviously, mm-hmm. but yeah i was a bit confused with that yeah um, and then the first saint visits him smoking um, yeah <laughs> yeah smoking was well, smoking cigarettes or weed i can't I tell because it looked like a joint either. but yeah. then he says oh are you allowed to smoke in heaven and she's like you can you do, do whatever you want up there <laughs> <laughs> which i was just how can you get more danny boyle than okay let's yeah. have saints but they're smoking drugs yeah. <laughs> in front of children uh damien immediately shows the money to his brother anthony and the two begin thinking of what to do with it anthony wants the money to him all to himself but damien kind-hearted and religious had recently overheard three Latter-day Saint missionaries lecture other members of the community on building foundations of rock rather than the foundations of sand, an old Christian principle which dictates that self-worth should be based on the teachings of Jesus Christ rather than any other object of worship, such as money uh, or power. The lecture inspires Damien, who looks for ways to give his share of the money to the poor. At one point, he even stuffs a bundle of cash through the missionaries' letterbox, having heard about their modest lifestyle and deciding that they too must be poor. So, I mean, first of all, I guess what we always have to talk about is, do we like the protagonist in this? Do we like Damien? <laughs> I You're like, heartless if you I say like that. Damien. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't like his brother. Mm. Okay. Mm. I also just, I mean, I don't know that you're supposed to like the brother, but I also mm. just didn't buy it. Like, there's movies where you have the kid genius and they pull it off and whatever, you accept it and that's the world that you're in. And this just like right off the bat when he's in the car talking about equity and buying houses and investments and interest and yeah. he immediately was like, none of this fits. Yeah. This is very strange. Yeah, it doesn't fit <laughs> the upbringing. Really, it doesn't bring his yeah. character. It doesn't. Yeah. I didn't really mind his, his what he was trying to do. I mean, I found it at least interesting that he wasn't just like, okay, I'm going to be greedy. Let's buy lots of stuff. He mm-hmm. was more thrifty with the money and Damien's yeah. kind of the one who's spending it all the time, but yeah. on other people. Yeah. yeah. Are you is, poor? Here's a lot of cash. Yeah. <laughs> Where he's exactly worked out what that's going to mean to them and how much they can kind of profit from it. Yeah. I like Damien because he was adorable. Um, and yeah, like, because I don't normally like things with a very religious theme. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, personally but um this one like damien was nice because he was he wasn't too preachy blah blah 
But I also quite liked Anthony's um, older brothers. Um, you did like him. I did like him. Okay. I think. What did you like about him? Because I, I liked his um, I liked his lines because I thought they were quite dark and humorous, mm-hmm. which I enjoyed. I I agree that his delivery was a bit like you can yeah. tell that the kid child actor didn't really know what he was talking about. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I I did enjoy the the contrast between Damien and Anthony. Okay. Um, yeah, it does. I mean, there is a Danny Boyle sort of contrast between those two characters, which I do like. The kind of slightly, yeah, the sort of friends who are kind of have an edge on each other and kind of push each other in different ways. And, mm. um, okay, so throughout the story, Damien commits small acts of kindness, like buying birds from pet stores and setting them free, taking beggars to Pizza Hut, while Anthony bribes other kids at school into being his transportation and bodyguards and looks into <laughs> investing the money in real estate. Which I did get, but I didn't completely get. Like I found some of the, the how they conveyed that on screen a little bit confusing. You'd have these mm. little montages, and he'd bring in these kids to be like, "Here, look, we've got some money," and they'd show like a, a smaller amount of cash. Mm. Yeah. And sm- was smart enough to go, "You're the only person who knows about it. So if you t- if you tell anyone, we'll know it was you." And they give them some money. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really understand it for a while until mm. you realize that they're all on his payroll, <laughs> <laughs> which is when he's getting brought like that. Like the nicer meal at school, and then all the girls are sitting <laughs> looking at him. <laughs> um, okay, so what about his dad? So he's a he's a quite a prolific English actor. Mm. Um, it's Ned Spit, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Now, my problem with because here is the thing: is like, is this a kids' film or is this a grown-ups' film? Yeah. Like, what is this? Yeah. Like, who is it for? Because I don't see kids really wanting to watch this. Yeah. And I might be wrong with that. But for me, I don't see what's in there for kids because they're not mm-hmm. having fun. Like, it's very, it is preachy if you're a kid, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, which maybe it's a good thing. Like, maybe it's something more parents would want to show to their kids if you're Catholic or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I definitely don't see it as a grown up film either because the, mm-hmm. the adults in this act like they're in a kid's film. Mm-hmm. And particularly the new girlfriend of, his, of their dad who I actually like that actress, but she drove yeah. me crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because particularly right at the beginning when she's pulling her weird faces at them. Yeah, she's, she's like, very stuff. expressive. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and she's introducing this scene at school where she's trying to get the school to realize how to transition to the Euro and to donate their money to like a cause for water in Ethiopia. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and she has a dustbin robot yep. that she's like voicing. Talks into, yeah. yeah. Which A, just took me back to the robots I hate in Lifeless Ordinary. <laughs> and b just was such a weird scene like it really just i don't know it got under my skin of like if i if i changed the channel and that's that scene on tv i would just turn the tv off straight Mm. away no it definitely felt like the vibe was definitely a children's christmas movie but the theme wasn't so it kind of felt a bit like who who is a target audience yeah i was a bit confused yeah i could definitely see parents taking children to it just because I think there's probably a lot of different ways you can read into this and what it's trying to tell you and what it's saying. But the cliched, simple version is the kid, Damien, is doing the right thing and helping poor people. (laughs) And then tells the dad, no, that's wrong. It's not yours. We can't keep it. So at the end of the day, just I could see really strict conservative parents taking their kids to this to be like, look, you can always do the right thing and still be a good kid and have friends. And yeah. Right. yeah. Although mm. I guess he doesn't, you don't really see his friends. 
No, he doesn't really have friends. Mm. Yeah. But he, but he seems like, like he is very likable. Yeah. And he does have a good soul without being annoying, mm-hmm. which is kind mm. of which is great, I think. Um, and they do a good job at the beginning of showing them both when they're running through this n- new estate that's being built, and then they have that weird sort of CGI, which is for the opening credits of the house being built yeah. around mm-hmm. them and stuff. But they do this good job of kind of showing them as sort of you know lost. Lon- they're kind of lonely and they're lost and they don't have the mother anymore, but they're not angry about it. They're mm-hmm. not yeah. whining about it. Mm. They're not you know lashing out at people his brother uses it later as a bargaining tool a couple of (laughs) times but that's about it um which i kind of like it's like you have a cliche set up but then they're nice kids for the most part Mm -hmm. particularly yeah damien obviously just kids being kids yeah and then when the saints start to get introduced he asks all the saints if they've they they know of saint what's her name is it yeah his Um, mom uh, mom, yeah maureen yeah maureen yeah and you kind of yeah. You realize that he's like, you know, asking for his mom. And yeah. It's yeah. Kind of yeah, that's charming. It's just sweet and yeah. kind of sad. And, yeah, and then he's also the most, he's more welcoming than his brother to the girlfriend in his dad's life as well, mm-hmm. which is nice. Like he just, it's a very virtuous character. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I do. <laughs> he has that weird line at the beginning, <laughs> right in the opening VO where he's talking about, uh, money like sometimes it's there the next minute it's gone like a Maltese like <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like, but that's how a kid thinks it's yeah like, I guess oh, yeah then true. there's candy and if you have a lot of candy then all of a sudden it's gone and that's so true didn't they mention Maltesers in um, 28 days later as well it, there's yeah, a they big showed, shot of Maltesers yeah. oh right okay right. <laughs> I think Danny Baldish really likes Maltesers Maltesers are nice. Like <laughs> we have a few recurring Danny Ball things actually in this film. Um, yeah, so we have shots of industry a lot in the background, which I find interesting because they're trying to show this suburban place, and they keep doing these wides to show all the industry just around the corner. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't, I didn't know. Like, again, it's just like I don't know if it's just that I was too lazy or I just didn't care enough to really put too much thought into the metaphors going on here or the messaging. But their house is called Serendipity, oh. which I found interesting. I didn't even notice that. Like, it's a very purposeful name, but I don't know why. Because I kept thinking and trying to, like, adapt the story in different ways to how that could fit. But I don't know. And it's also possible it was just something left over from the original script and then they changed it mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah. You know, who knows? It's quite mm. a fancy neighborhood, is it? It's not fancy, fancy, but it's not, like, well, the dingiest neighborhood. Yeah, it's also weird because, like, a new build estate that they've moved into, clearly, and this is part of my big. I don't want to say big problem. I don't care enough to have a big problem. <laughs> but if I did care enough, one of my big problems is that his dad, so, if, I don't know, yeah, okay, let's just get to it now. His dad <laughs> at the end finds out about the money and initially wants to do a noble thing and then the house gets broken into as they've been told by this consistently apathetic and demeaning like police officers <laughs> that all this shit's going to happen to you and basically there's nothing we can do about it which seems like there's a point that they're trying to make about that as well about you're not protected properly and you have yeah. to look after mm. yourself um and then his dad on a fucking dime becomes a asshole yep. <laughs> just literally just suddenly switches to no we're keeping all the money yeah your mother's dead you're never <laughs> yeah. seeing her again doesn't even look remorseful then when he walks out of the bedroom he's just mm. like yeah. just suddenly becomes really mean and he's been this cartoon fluffy like you know happy father throughout the entire film and i, I really didn't it didn't work for me at mm. all like it didn't make any sense yeah, yeah. the only like miniature lead-in to that that they used that i think is there to justify it is the guy saying 
oh yeah well insurance is probably not going to give you everything they'll, they'll tell you you can have another christmas but by the time that happens it'll be next christmas yeah and mm-hmm. so the like the only thing you can think of is oh insurance isn't going to cover everything they should cover but, but they like, don't have well, like fuck the government i'm keeping the money <laughs> but that's it but a character doesn't have a lead up to that and that's my point yeah we're talking about the housing it's like it's not a horrible neighborhood and then mm-hmm. you have you know these the um oh who is it the uh the missionaries the more yeah who are like yes. saying that they don't have much money and you're like well it's not a horrible neighborhood yeah, it doesn't look like a poor looks, neighborhood yeah and then you see his father and he's not he, i mean he's struggling but he's not tormented and he's not on this mm-hmm. downward spiral and you you think you'd have a few shots of where the kids would catch him privately depressed or worrying about bills mm-hmm. or something mm-hmm. but they don't they just show him as everything seems okay yeah and then suddenly because of one burglary he just well i think <laughs> dad's aware that the money the burglary was done by the people who the robbers the, yeah 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 so he was a bit like Oh fuck them! But I don't know why. Then you'd be mean to your kids. And yeah, that was a bit. <laughs> You're never gonna see your mom again. <laughs> She's dead. And I killed her. <laughs> you ate her that night, didn't you? Remember <laughs> Sunday lunch? Um, <laughs> that's still my favorite episode of, of South Park. I think. Did you notice Eric Cartman? Yeah, yes. yes. boy. <laughs> what the fuck it's like which yeah. one of the kids has that yeah, yeah, they that. showed it in the wide and yeah so I and saw i saw, it saw and the I like, blue and i was yeah, like there's no that? way that's yeah. a south park character exactly. and then they like later on have a shot of yeah. it it's like, what that's which going i think on? was only there for one reason that it fulfilled all of the color scheme they had in that film <laughs> <laughs> it had that weird like right. turquoise, turquoise and the yellow, yellow and the red yeah <laughs> true true i'm so confused um, so it says here on Wikipedia that the story takes place in the weeks leading up to the Bank of England's, and it says in brackets here, fictional, change from the pound to the euro, an event publicized <laughs> as Euro Day or E-Day. An assembly is held at Damien School to inform the children about the change. Now, why do we have to have these adverts of the old man with the young girl with the cream I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Didn't, I couldn't tell if Danny Boyle was just really doesn't like England <laughs> so the, the portrayal he does of like like upper class English people is always that kind of thing it's always mm. like quite horrible um, that also makes me question again whether this is a kids movie or not yeah how it's I felt the only way you could get away with that scene is if Bill Nye is playing the older guy that's the <laughs> only way that's acceptable <laughs> or maybe they tried to get Bill Nye but he yeah. didn't take the offer because it Who felt knows? like a love actually scene it was very yeah. strange yeah. anyway um, form children, blah, 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 blah. Realizing that the money which is in pounds would be no good after a few days, Damien decides that the best thing to do would be to give it away before the conversion. He drops 1,000 into the donation can at the assembly. The woman collecting the money, Dorothy, is forced to report Damien when questioned by the principal. Anthony lies that he and Damien stole the money from the Mormons. <laughs> the first thing that would come to <laughs> Where do we get the money from? I know. From those religious people. <laughs> Damien and Anthony are grounded that night. When their father collects them from school, he chats with Dorothy and there's an obvious attraction between them. As in he hides Ooh. behind the car and peers at her a little bit. Yep. Because he's still in cartoon mode at that point. <laughs> I do kind of like, I mean, the basic principle of this ticking bomb, you know, of, well, you've got to get rid of the money. It was the only thing with the film. Like the only two things that really kept me interested is one, I like Damien as a character, mm-hmm. even though I didn't know what it wanted to happen with him which is a problem, I think, with the story. Mm-hmm. And I also did like yeah, this idea of, okay, what happens if you get all this money, but you only have a week to spend it in, basically, mm-hmm. or to do something mm-hmm. like, what do you do? Um, and I thought that was kind of an interesting setup. 
uh, particularly when you've got two kids governing it and they can't even put it in a bank account as they try to do and <laughs> get turned away. Um, so after the donation, Anthony's friend informs them that a train carrying notes which would have been destroyed after the conversion had been robbed. One bag was stolen in a diversion while the robber remained on the train disguised as one of the emergency staff and the money had been dispersed by throwing it off of the train at various locations throughout the country to be collected by the robbers. So the boys logically conclude that their money was stolen and Damien, who thought the money was from God, feels terrible. <laughs> very Danny Boyle scene. Oh, the high sequence, yeah, yeah. very yeah. Danny Boyle. Like weirdly was saturated in colours and like you had a fucking muse song suddenly comes <laughs> in. <laughs> And because it was, they follow up with a sad abuse song, but it's a proper pumping news song. Mm. Um, and yeah, this little kid in like a Wes Anderson scene, almost in the toilets, explaining with little toy cars oh, yeah. what had happened with this robbery, which was very surreal. And I kind of wish there was more of that in the film. Mm. Like I, w- I was kind of hoping like all these kids would bandy together and yeah. take out the robbers themselves or something. <laughs> I don't know. Like, um, yeah, and a weird way to rob a bank. So was it because they don't even show anyone looking for that bag of money at the beginning of the movie or in the flashback to it? Is it that he chucked it off too early or too late or something? Because every other one, they, he chucks it off and there's someone there waiting mm-hmm. to yeah, grab catch it. it. But there's no one there waiting to yeah, grab true. it. It just hits the house, the yeah. cardboard house. And yeah. the bag was bouncing a lot. Oh, yeah, a lot. When it, got, when it hit, hit yeah. the ground. Very improbable, yeah. but, but a cool <laughs> shot at the beginning with the thing just like bouncing, bouncing bang, yeah. and you're not sure what it is. Um, around this time, a mysterious man comes snooping around the train tracks and asks Damien if he has any money. Damien thinks that the man is a beggar and tells him he has loads of money. However, <laughs> Anthony realizes he is one of the robbers and gives the man a jar full of coins to try to cover Damien's tracks. But the robber eventually finds out where Damien lives and ransacks his house, as in our aforementioned conversation. So... One, I don't like this idea of all robbers wear beanies. <laughs> I thought about that. <laughs> Says the man who wears beanies. Yeah. <laughs> He's wearing one now. Two, I don't like the fact that whenever this man turns up, there's this noise. The breath, yeah. The Darth Vader. So weird. Every time, you yeah. know it's coming because there's some breathing in the yep. sound. Yeah. This, uh, this is another element for me that puts us into Disney kids film territory. Like he's, he's, weirdly threatening he breaks into this kid's bedroom <laughs> he's hiding in the attic yep. he's just strange things but he's also yeah cartoonish and the sound design makes him kind of mm. ridiculous and he never really seems a proper threat yeah. yeah kind of felt a bit um home alone yeah yeah kind of yeah weird he, his threat ever. is I'm putting my number in your phone. Keep it on. I'm going to call you <laughs> yeah. tomorrow after you change the money. Bring it to the door for me. Yeah, he says, <laughs> and then let me the... into the house. It's like, well, you yeah. seem pretty good at getting <laughs> into the house in by my yourself. attic, so I think... <laughs> you know, what he would do is say, all right, I'm in the attic. I'm going to stay I'll there. I'll be here. <laughs> and then I'll get the money after you. And he doesn't like, even like have any weapons or anything. So no. It's like, so yeah. weird. He clearly needed to go get a pint or something. <laughs> Couldn't be bothered to wait around. Um... Damien had informed his father about the money just before they came home to the destroyed house the robbery is then explained the robbers boarded the train they then escaped the police by dressing as football fans and joining a crowd of similarly dressed fans leaving a game a very British way to rob a bank (laughs) however one man remained on the train he began to throw the money off to be collected later the robber who came sneaking around hid in Damien's room after ransacking it much in the way the train robbery was carried out 
Damien's father, who had resolved to give the money back, decided that if the robbers were going to steal his family's Christmas, oh, no. then he would steal the robbers' money. <laughs> <laughs> the family, as well as Dorothy, go on a massive shopping spree on Christmas Eve. That night, after they are asleep, their house is bombarded by beggars and charities begging for contributions. What the fuck is this about? Yeah. Well, I think that was... Um, is it Saint someone? Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the one who says it. don't tick the boxes on the mm. envelopes. Is that what you're saying? Um, is it that one? The one from the Christmas play? Yeah. Yeah. Then, yeah, there's one of them who says, like, don't, when he's filling in a charity stuff, uh-huh. he says, don't tick the boxes for unsolicited because you'll get, like, everyone turning up to Are try they? and get more money Asking from you. No, I thought that the whole um, people turning up on their doorstep was right. so that. The police will come to the house right. and catch the robber. And I thought that was all orchestrated by one of the saints the trying saints? to protect um, oh, really? the family. Because oh. you saw um, the saint kind of walking He's around walking the house. through the house, yeah. Um, in the background. The Jesus-looking one. Yeah, yeah, that one, yeah. yeah. So yeah. Joseph. Yeah, Joseph, <laughs> that's the one. <laughs> Who, yeah, Joseph. like you know, Jesus would bear some resemblance. No, he wouldn't. It wasn't even his dad. <laughs> 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 very true <laughs> uh, do you think god looked down and said yeah i want my son to look like joseph he had to pick like the right like now you do you know Ryan gosling or something <laughs> <laughs> the joseph of our generation oh, um yeah maybe i don't know yeah certainly muddled it felt very odd when yeah. it was happening yeah the time. um very very strange um so yeah then they come to the house um the police then turn up Sorry, I've lost my track of where I was. Damien runs off to the train tracks to burn the money, deciding that it was doing more harm than good. Um, While he's burning the money, he's visited by a dead mother who tells him, don't worry, basically. (laughs) Everything will be okay. Yeah, which is a line I take umbrage with (laughs) because... I never understand in the movie, you know, when like parents always do that or dead people always do that to kids in movies and like mm-hmm. everything's okay. And then he says it to his brother. She said, everything's going to be okay. <laughs> oh, okay. Like, <laughs> no, but I just always want to know in what, what is okay? <laughs> Not to get too existential <laughs> for a second, but like, what is everything's okay in that his, like they don't need money and that everything's going to be okay with bills or that mm. they're going to lead happy lives or that like, what is the okay? They'll be okay without okay. him. People are always telling people in films. I'm interested. That's, yeah, that's interesting because in 28 Days Later, there's, sorry for, to go back to that, but no, there's a bit where after um, Hannah's dad dies, Selena's in tears and she's like, oh, everything's not okay. I wanted Hannah to be okay. And when she had her dad, everything was okay. And therefore we were okay, blah, blah, blah. So mm-hmm. it's, yeah, it's interesting that the whole like... Idea of what makes people happy. And, yeah. Yeah. It's, a recurring thing but which anyway. i think is definitely something danny boyle has as a recurring theme in all of mm. his films is the yeah the pursuit of happiness like what mm. makes you happy and that the things that you think are going to make you happy like exploration and adventure in the beach money in shallow grave money mm. in this like train spotting drugs obviously like the things the easy ways out for you with things that seem to open up a whole new world for you mm-hmm. don't make any of his protagonists happy they give them stories which i think danny boyle i think he's trying to say is important like they have experiences but they all take it too far like Mm. all of them take these experiences too far to a place where they're not happy anymore Mm. and this really i think is his first protagonist who's 
on the right track all the way through. Like yeah. this mm. kid is unfalteringly. Yeah, that was one thing that it's usually the protagonist has some sort of a internal like struggle. You fall down in one area and then you learn right. a lesson and get back up, but mm-hmm. he's just a saint the whole way through. Yeah, he is, isn't he? <laughs> Which is a problem. Yeah. yeah, now that I think about it, like that could be the central problem for me with this yeah. film. Yeah. It's like there's, I like the character change. a lot. He doesn't do it. He doesn't learn anything. Yeah. No. He doesn't, yeah, change as a person and he doesn't yeah. give us any conflict to kind of feel anything about. Yeah. Yeah. Which is fine, but then normally in a film like this, I feel it would be filled with more fun stuff then. Yeah. Of, okay, well, what does his brother do with the money? What's funny about that? What mm-hmm. situations, what hijinks do they get into themselves? But it's not even that funny. Yeah, no. no. I mean, I like the bit when his mom told um, Damien that he, I think she says something like, Anthony, he seems to have taken it better than you. He hasn't. So, you know, like, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And I was like, that's, that's really sweet. Because, yeah, like, the all the brother seems like an asshole. But, yeah, he's you know, just using it as an excuse yeah. to get free things. Exactly. Um, but, yeah, but then, like, she follows it up with, like, oh, have faith and everything will be okay. You know, yeah. Your faith will, <laughs> yeah. you know, make every, like, can fix all three of you, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay. Yeah, no. Yeah, so... Mm-hmm. So you were alluding it to earlier, but we've we've been in a whole bunch of, and I'm trying to remember which ones now, but in a whole bunch of Danny Boyle films, there's been bits of religion sprinkled throughout them in places. And I've mm-hmm. always made me wonder, what is his personal yeah. point of mm. view? I can't tell in his movies. This one obviously seems, seems way more religious. And it seems very much, I feel, to have quite a solid, like, re- not religion is good, but, like, this side of religion, like, this virtuous side of mm-hmm. ethics mm-hmm. Is, is a positive thing, and it will bring you happiness when other things yeah. can't. Because I feel the brother would be his normal main character, really. Mm. Like, um, so I just looked him up, and there's a couple of lines here on Danny Boyle's Wikipedia to do with his early life, which is interesting. So Danny Boyle was born in 1956 in Radcliffe, Lancashire, to an Irish Catholic parent, um, Although he now describes himself as a spiritual atheist, he was brought up in a working-class Catholic family. Boyle was an altar boy for eight years, mm-hmm. and his mother had the priesthood in mind for him. But age 14, he was persuaded by a priest not to transfer from a school to a seminary. Whether he was saving... This is a quote. Whether he was saving me from the priesthood or the priesthood from me, I don't know. But quite soon mm-hmm. after, I started doing drama. And there's a real connection, I think. All these directors, Martin Scorsese, John Woo, M. Night Shyamalan, they were all meant to be priests. There's something very theatrical about it. It's basically the same job, poncing around, telling people what to think. (laughs) (laughs) Telling stories. Um, Which is interesting. So it's obviously very much baked into him, Mm. um, a lot of this Catholicism. And I think a lot of the morals are probably things that he kind of struggles with how to adapt in his everyday life. Because I feel like he strikes me as, as we keep saying, he's, he's, he's getting on in years already at this part in his retrospective and he's still making very youthful films mm. so i feel he just has a very youthful spirit that's quite dangerous and full of adventure and wants mm-hmm. you know to push the boundaries but then he's got that catholic schoolboy baked into him so much mm. that he probably has some guilt about that yeah. as well i was wondering if this film was like funded by a christian charity or something mm. it did feel like a very a purposeful yeah. mes- message, basically. rather than a, a subconscious, you know. Um, oh, hang on. I'll see if I can see. That. Yeah, I can't see. It just says Fox Searchlight Distribution. It doesn't say where the money came from. Um, I did like there was like a Kill Bill top down 
style shot as the little kid at the beginning walks through the house and then crawls into bed with his dad and it kind of like looks straight down over all of the rooms in the house and kind of moves through them mm. which i thought was pretty cool there are a few i mean there was actually quite a lot of danny boyle visual flair in this film i just didn't like most of them yeah. <laughs> most of them didn't work for me there's a transition from scene to scene where he builds it out of weird cubes yeah, yeah. some of the scene transitions were very weird and quite tacky yeah fine yep um what else i got written down yeah here's another thing i have a problem with films you, when you get a scene when people get money and you get have to have like a montage of them counting it building it playing with it and then it always has like to be cut into that and throwing it in the air and in my head i'm always someone has to pick all of those up all of them up and they're sitting there in the scene going oh we're late shall we count it fuck it yeah let's count it Throwing it in the air is not conducive <laughs> to good counting. And it just breaks well, my OCD brain. If I had a lot of money, that's what I would do there. You'd I throw would it in be the throwing it Especially all over kid. the place. Yeah. yeah. I would do an indecent proposal, not spread it on the bed and then have sex with people. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, what else have I got written down? Oh, we have a little prelude for one of his other films here in a way, because we'll sit around watching Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Oh, right. Interesting. Which in a couple of movies' time is going to be very important to his career. Oh, yeah. I did like the line where the new girlfriend's in the school and she says, who feels sorry for poor children? Everyone raises She goes, correct answer. That was brilliant. That was pretty funny. Yeah, and we have the essential line from him here, which is the only line from him that I wrote down where he just says, I just want to be good. Which I feel just sums up his whole character. Yeah. Mm. Which I don't think any uh, Danny Boyle characters have ever been like that. Yeah. Um, I also like the mobile phone shot with the little red line going up to heaven and then back down. Yeah. When they're sitting when next they're to each other on a hill. That was a Danny Boyleism that I thought worked mm. quite well. Only now I feel he'd let the video chat fill up the whole screen and you have the conversation. Like maybe split screen or something. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, and the score you were mentioning at the beginning was a bit Danny Elfman. Yeah, twinkly, a bit Christmassy. Yeah, Christmassy, I've, Harry Pottery. Yeah, yeah, there was some Harry Potter. Yeah, notes. I I thought this. I thought it was libelously Danny Elfman-y, mm-hmm. and then completely libelously it it was Creep by Radiohead. Right, right. There was a point where it's literally Creep by Radiohead. Uh-huh. I thought, oh, <laughs> they got the licensing to play Creep in this one. That's really they must spend a lot of money in it. No, it's just stolen. Uh, it was John Murphy, right? I think. Was it John Murphy? I think so. I it said in the end credits, so I was quite surprised. Okay. Um, and my, yeah, my last two bits I want to personally bring up is, um, yeah, the little kid then hides himself in the loft in the same way as like in Shallow Grave uh, with his bag of money <laughs> and there's someone coming upstairs which you think is coming to get the money and not sure who it's going to be, which was a strange, like, yeah, just to see that with children in basically the same scene. Is he going to get a baseball bat? And yeah, and I was just, him and exactly. I was just fall back down and now, take him down. This nine-year-old is now a murderer. I kept, but that's why I kept thinking when this movie is like, it could end really dark. Mm. Like, it could just suddenly turn a corner mm-hmm. and do something horrible. But no, of course it doesn't. It ends up in Africa. I mean, it meant to be in Ethiopia <laughs> because we're on a beach in England. That's what where I, we I is. <laughs> <laughs> It yeah. was the most bizarre location scout i've yeah. ever seen yeah. where you're so clearly on a beach a little beach and not even a big one a little mm. beach because they only use one corner of it because we don't have big sandy beaches mm-hmm. in england no. probably one of those ones up on the norfolk coast on yeah, that north yeah. bit of it and you even have like a bank that we're not allowed to see over because then you would see yeah. oh we're in england 
<laughs> and they just throw some fucking pots and pans on the floor <laughs> to make it look like Africa. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Some some desert. I think. Yeah. yeah but yeah. I don't even <laughs> think is what it's like in any of those places no. that they're trying to be like in Africa. It was just very. <laughs> yeah yeah it was weird and then the ending uh, and over that like we had the ending theme song as well which is something about nirvana i think yes so it's not like it is called nirvana on a soundtrack so you think like yeah it's a christian movie so surely it should be something more like christian rather than buddhist (laughs) but then yeah yeah but then he just yeah he says he's a spiritual atheist now so i think he's a bit confused This, by the way, is what Alex Etel looks like now. You can Google him if you want to at home. Oh, hello. <laughs> hello. <laughs> How old is he now? That, I think that was a few years ago. Um, this was he was 2000 nine, 2004, probably. so he'll be like 20. Yeah. Something like that. 21, maybe. Um, all right, do you guys have any other notes you want to bring up before we get into a proper roundup of our, <laughs> of our feelings, our recommendations <laughs> for this one? I did write down a quote from Al that... That's me. That is you. (laughs) So this was when we watched 28 Days Later. Okay. So two days ago. (laughs) No, this was after we recorded the podcast (laughs) regarding millions. Okay. So (laughs) do you know... Come on. (laughs) So... I mean, I don't think anyone listening to this podcast necessarily knows me or knows me well. So it's probably stupid for me to bring this up and this be your first impression of me. But clearly this is Al's impression of me. (laughs) (laughs) So he is holding the DVD for millions and says, I really think Allie will like this next one. It's funny and has a kid in it. And then he looks down at the cover, holds it up to me and Haruka and says, look how horrible it looks. (laughs) I was like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> <That> <laughs> so really I took s- out my notebook and I wrote down <laughs> everything really? you said. Yeah. It's oh the first God. thing written on here. <laughs> that really stuck with you more than I thought it would. But yeah, seriously. So that is horrible. Al White's impression of Look me. at the cover. Yeah, it, it does look horrible. <laughs> out of all these covers, we've got all the films laid out in front of us. That that one, is, it sticks out mm. as maybe the reason it didn't make much money. It's just the fucking cover. Mm. <laughs> it looks dreadful. Ironically called Millions. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I thought that would mean you'd like it because you're a kid. <laughs> you like comedies. You like the elf. I'm clearly shit, making a good Christmas impression. Stuff. <laughs> it's a Christmas movie as well, sort of. Yeah. yeah. It's Christmas time. Everything There's in one. Girls yeah. dressed as Santa with their boobs popping out. Yeah, don't look. People will rush to see this film if you see it. Anyway. Any other grievances you've been carrying with you today? <laughs> uh, no, I think I've, I've, I've ranted enough. Ranted. Yeah. I would rarely say you rant. Really? <laughs> you politely interject. <laughs> um, all right. So, whose turn is it to go first? Yours. You Mine? never go first. I never go first. That's true. <laughs> it's because I'm normally gabbing too much anyway. Um, millions. How do I feel about it? Uh, confused. Yep. <laughs> Pointless. Mm. So there's two ways to look at this movie. One is as a movie and another is as a Danny Boyle movie. Mm -hmm. So if I look at it as a movie, and I could imagine this movie being something maybe my mom would see at Christmas time or maybe because it'd have, yeah, if Bill Nye had been in it or something, she would have seen it. And I went, oh, you should see this movie. It's really sweet. It's really nice. Blah, blah, blah. Hey, mom, if you're listening. (laughs) (laughs) And I'd watch it and I'd try and find things to like about it. And I think there's a lot to like about this. It was endearing. 
I like the character a lot. There's some visual brave flares, even though I don't like them very much. Um, and it does have an unusual storyline. It's not one that I think I've seen before. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I would think, you know, it's fine. I'd come away from it. Yeah, no, it's fine. I could see why some people would like it. And I can certainly see why some parents would want to show it to their kids, maybe. Mm. Uh, whether or not their kids would get anything out of it or enjoy it, I really have no clue. But it does definitely feel like a TV movie, for sure. Um, looking at it as a Danny Boyle movie, <laughs> I can only see it how I said earlier. Like For me, it's like, if he had made this before Shallow Grave as a director TV movie, and then he'd got the money to go and make Shallow Grave, that would make sense to me. Yeah. That would make perfect sense in his progression as a director. Mm-hmm. Coming out after 28 days later and just before Sunshine, <laughs> I'm baffled. Like, I really am. I can understand why he would want to do something different. Um, I can understand why he would need to take a break from all the violence and darkness that he embraces. But I think it's a, I think it's a bad Danny Boyle <laughs> movie. Um, yeah. I don't really, I just, and the worst thing about it is just, yeah, like we're saying, I don't want anything to happen with it. Like, it's not that I don't like the character. I just don't care yeah. what happens because he's too virtuous and there's no struggle and it's not interesting enough and the parents are idiots and mm-hmm. the colors are horrible. And <laughs> the music's all right, I guess. Mm. Like, it's it's just aping other stuff and there's a muse track. That was cool. Um, yeah, it just feels nuded. It feels like Danny Ball completely muted, um, which is, yeah, depressing for me. Mm. Uh, Allison. Uh, I, I love it. It was amazing. Yeah, it was we had so a kid good. in it. It was Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I agree. It's, I don't know that this would ever come up if someone was like, what movie should I watch? I'm looking into millions. <laughs> but... Um, yeah, I just it's just like a feeling of indifference and not caring about anything that was happening. Mm-hmm. I I wouldn't <laughs> It feels weird to say I wouldn't recommend it just because then it sounds like there's something wrong with it that you're like, "Oh no, it's horrible because of X Y and Z," but I just it's just like there's nothing. There's a reason to recommend it. Yeah. Mm. Just like there aren't that many reasons to say this is trash. Yeah. But there isn't a reason to recommend it. Mm. Yeah. Like, it's the kind of movie that I can see when I was babysitting when I was in high school that a parents, the parents would be like, oh, take my kids to go see this movie and then bring them back before. Haruka? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I, I completely agree with you too. It's, I mean, there, there's, there was nothing too horribly wrong about this film, apart from the fact that it's a pretty religious film, which I personally don't enjoy <laughs> yeah. very much. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, the, it's had a decent message and, you know, decent acting, if not a bit too, like, yeah. Disney, cliche Disney um, family movie. But still, you know, the kids were good, I thought. Um, <laughs> as a sign. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, as a Danny Boyle film, I think it is quite disappointing. Um and yeah, there there were some mo- very Danny Boyle moments, um, which I think I enjoyed, but then it really didn't go with the rest of the film, so it felt a bit like yeah. mismatched. Yeah. Um, yeah, the colours were pretty bad, um, <laughs> <laughs> really bad. Um, yeah, so, yeah, like you said, it felt like a TV movie. 
that you know made for Christmas time. Yeah. And yeah, not a, I wasn't a big fan of it. Sorry. It says a lot Sorry. for me that this is by far Daniel Ball's shortest film, and I spent more time in this movie than any of his other movies. Just thinking. Should we just stop? Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it was like, it wasn't I was hating it. I was just like, I don't, there's no point. Yeah. Like, mm. I know exactly where this is going and I just don't care. Mm. Points. Mm. <laughs> Allie, what would you give it? Oh, millions. <laughs> <laughs> oh. That was a Tano joke. Oh, Tano joke. We need to make one on each podcast. So what, what's the lowest <sighs> score you've given so far to... Six five, I think. Yeah, Shall but I already, I think after either the beach or twenty eight days later, talked about how I want. I'm already remembering yeah. in my head. Okay. <sighs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I just like it's you hard to score when you're just like I don't care. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You didn't care enough to so, score. So yeah. It's hard as well Good. because yeah, like I'm thinking on a, as a film level. For what it was trying to do, and that's what we're talking about. Like, how well does it do what it's trying to do? Maybe a six. Yeah. On my personal level, a three. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, like my interest in this kind of movie is so low. Mm-hmm. But I guess if you're that tiny niche of what it's who it's trying to appeal to, mm-hmm. it does it all right. Yeah. Yeah. What do we Would go? You? Ten out of ten. Uh, <laughs> no, same. Like you know, as a film, you know, it didn't do anything wrong. Mm-hmm. you know like it didn't have like loads of mistakes and stuff like that so it was half decent but since we're doing this as a danny boyle yep yeah thing i think i'll give it a f- four if i'm being generous that's fair enough, yeah, <laughs> fair sorry. enough. all right so that is millions we'll be back on the next podcast with his seventh film sunshine Ruka's favorite. My favorite. <laughs> um, you can follow us on iTunes, please. Just type in We Are Geeks and you'll get our regular podcast that goes up every Tuesday. It is topical. It does movies. It does video games. And it does news and reviews and stuff like that. And you'll also get this. You'll also get our horror franchise, uh, which goes up every single Friday and Monday, uh, which is Friday 13th and then Nightmare on Elm Street and then Halloween. And you can also go to our main website, We Are Tessellate, with two S's, two L's, like the old J song. And you can Sing it. Nope. <laughs> and you can link out to all of our social medias easily there if you're getting confused. Just we are tessellate.com. I'm Mr. Al White on all the social medias. Ali is Ali Sue. Yep. And <laughs> see if she's learned. Harukabe. What are you on Instagram? Haruka dot Haruka. Yeah. On the Instagram. Thank you guys. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yep. Thank you, Shane. I'm right. <laughs>